Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. So I'm praying for you every day. I'm praying that, that in this season that we, wherever God's positioned you, wherever your work is, your position in life, wherever the Lord has placed you, that you become essential and that God uses you in a powerful way where you are. I'm amazed at this church where God has strategically placed many of our members in places of leadership and government and in places of influence, and in our business world, and in areas where God has placed very many of our members. And I believe it's not by accident that God has placed you there. And I believe that there's an influence that the Lord is getting ready to bring out upon you. But we have to be the church, and we have to stand up and be, be right. You know, Proverbs 31, we, we know it's famous for the, the passage of the virtuous woman. But the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 31 talks about, tells us to speak up for those that cannot speak for themselves, that we are to stand for the poor, and we are to stand for those who cannot defend themselves or speak for them. And so uh, though our nation needs healing and there needs to be change, there are many things that need to take place. And uh, how many know hatred doesn't drive out hatred and violence don't drive out violence? And that is, a, that is a principle. And we have to get back, not only as a nation, but as a church, learning how to value, uh, learning to value every person, learning to value every Christian. And not only value one another, but not only value, but learn to honor and love one another. And we've got to learn how to honor each other. We cannot let the toxic vulgarity of this world get into the church and begin to disrupt the love of God, the power of God, and disrupt what the body of Christ is for. And so my prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit will come and he will anoint us and he will come upon us and that we're not so much known for the gifts that are the talents that are a part of the body of Christ but that we be known that the fact that we love one another, that we honor one another, that we prefer one another. And this is an hour when the love of Jesus will begin to flow out of our lives and begin to have an influence on people's lives. And so that's our prayer. And I believe this is a great time, no greater time than right now than that to happen. In the book of Acts chapter 19, and uh, I've been in a series the last couple of weeks talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's, it's, it's real important to me as a pastor to know that there's been so many misrepresentations of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that some of those misrepresentations has driven people away from the scriptural fact and the scriptural truth of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for and what role it plays in our life and in our Christian life. And I have, for the last couple of weeks, tried to systematically take you through the Scripture and begin to teach you and to begin to lay foundation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now today, at the end of service, we're going to pray for those who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but Paul said this, he said, I have, I have that you be not ignorant, brethren, 
And when Paul began to speak about Scripture and began to talk about ignorance, he didn't mean to be stupid. Because the word doesn't mean imply stupid. The word implies not knowing or not, or not having understanding of. That is not a negative thing. That is just there are some people that have never been taught or some people have never been exposed to the teaching of. And so the understanding is not there. But this, this morning, uh, I want to take you through some passages of Scripture and we have talked about a few things. The, the first message that I talked about, we brought a definition or defined the word spirit and what it means. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word in the Old Testament is the word ruach. In the New Testament, it's the word pneumia. And both of them mean strong wind. Uh, it means refreshing. Uh, and we define that. I'm not going to go back over that. And then, and we talked about uh, the three pre Greek prepositions that, that talk about the Holy Spirit. There is the preposition para, P-A-R-R, -R, which is a preposition in the Greek. It means the Holy Spirit with you, or as you could say, alongside. Uh, it means to parakaleto, it means to walk alongside. And then there's the preposition en, E-N, which is the, if you're taking Dr. Sean's Greek class, you've been through this, you've been through prepositions, E-N, and it, is, it means in you. It means the Spirit of God in you. And so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes beside us and it comes in us. And I'm going to show you that in John. We've, we've been through that. I'm going to show you that in chapter, John chapter 14 and verse 17 tells us uh, that about the Holy Spirit. But then there's the preposition epi, which means the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it means to come upon and not only to come upon temporarily, but as we, as we seen in the baptism of Jesus on Thursday when I was teaching, that when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and descended upon him, that the Holy Spirit didn't just come, but the Holy Spirit came and stayed. It remained. Matter of fact, it was the, the prophecy of Isaiah 11:2 that said the Spirit of God would come upon him, who was the root of Jesse, and when it came upon him, it said that spirit would rest upon him. It means to clothe. Jesus was clothed with the spirit. Immersed, baptized with it is what the word means. John said this. John said that there was one that is coming, and, and, and I'll give you the scripture in a second. It says when you see him, or when he, there's one that he will see, he will see the Spirit of God descending upon him and resting upon him. In other words, the prophecy that John said, he will know that he's the Son of God because the Spirit of God has come and rested upon him. Epi, come upon. And so we talked about the three prepositions of the, uh, of the Scripture. And then Thursday we talked about being endured by the power of the Holy Spirit. And being endured by the power of the Holy Spirit means that we are sealed by God. Well, I gave you scriptures on how the Holy Spirit seals us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how we are filled with the Spirit at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we are anointed at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when, and when the, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we also receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit that can begin to flow through our lives. And so that's where we were. But this morning I want to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, and beginning in verse 1, it says, And it happened 
while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesians, to Ephesus, Ephesians, Ephesus, finding some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you believed. So they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. All right? Now, we know they are believers. And so we know what Paul is talking about is an event that's subsequent to salvation and to believing. Now, I'm going to show you some scriptures this morning that you're going to see all three baptisms in scripture uh, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, that where there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's also the baptism, the other two baptisms, which is, well, I'll share it. Just hang on. I'm getting ahead of myself. I've gone too far. And so uh, the word baptism or the word bap- to baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse fully, completely covered, or to be immersed. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 tells us, uh, it says, for, we, for by one spirit we are all baptized into the body of Christ. By one spirit we're all baptized into the body of Christ. Now, we have three baptisms that the scripture talks about and the scripture teaches. And I want to take you through them because I want you to understand the difference in them and what they are. The Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. In other words, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. It tells us that one body, we are baptized into one body by one spirit, we are baptized. And so we are baptized into, into Christ. Okay, So that's our salvation. When we get saved, the Spirit of God baptizes us into one body. We receive Jesus. We are immersed in Jesus. We are immersed into salvation. We are immersed in him. And so we have received him as our Savior, and he is our Lord. The second baptism is a baptism, the disciples baptize us in water. Now, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the baptism in water. Once we became saved, born again, we have we get we are baptized in water. Now the reason I use the word disciple there is because uh, not only do pastors baptize, but uh, I've had fathers baptize their children. I've had deacons baptize their children. I've had uh, people in their family or uh, patriarchs baptize their grandchildren or whatever. But we as disciples are to baptize. And immerse in water. Of course, we know uh, that immerse the baptism is following the Lord's baptism in water. And you say, well, why is that important? Because that's important because what it is, it is a public display of an inward work that Christ has done. In other words, it says it lets the world know I belong to Jesus. It is a public display of what took place privately. When I privately gave my life to Christ, my baptism is a display, a public display of an inward work 
that Christ has done. It is the baptism in water. In other words, it's the public uh, proclamation uh, of a private uh, uh, decision that we have made. You say, well, why, that, why is that important? Well, it's important because you, know, you, just, you don't just have a wedding. You have a wedding ceremony, right? I mean, you could get married, but you have a wedding ceremony so that others can join in to the covenant that you made with one another. And not only do you have a wedding ceremony, but I have a, a wedding ring on, right? That is a, 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 that is a, a public uh, display of a covenant that I made with my wife. And so it is a, it is a, uh, it's, it's to let others know who you belong to. How many are thankful you belong to Jesus this morning? And then there's, then the Bible says that Jesus, the scripture teaches us that Jesus baptizes you, baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. It is the promise of Luke 24, 49. We talked about that. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We talked about that. But here we have these three baptisms. And I want you to see the first one. It says the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus baptizes us with the baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. And grammatically, it's, it's, it's two different things. And so uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says that uh, John said that there is one that is coming whose shoes that I cannot tie. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism that Jesus baptizes us with. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Our salvation, the Holy Spirit, we are born into one body through the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus. And then we have water baptism. And so I want to lay it, so theologically, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism into the body of Christ are not the same. They're not the same theologically and grammarly, they're not the same. Theologically and through the grammar of the scripture, they're not the same. The, the Holy Spirit clearly baptizes you into the body of Christ. Jesus wants to immerse us, completely submerge us, fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, is in, and this is interesting, when you look at the Gospels, the baptism with the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit is in every gospel. It is, it is mentioned in every gospel it is mentioned. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are only a few things that are in every gospel. Matter of fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what, is what we call uh, synoptic gospels. They're, they're similar gospels. In other words, they record many of the same things. John is not a synoptic gospel. John, uh, and the reason why is, is that here, here's the difference in the two. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, primarily uh, record the uh, third year of Jesus' ministry. 
They go from the birth of Jesus uh, into uh, a couple of them record John, uh, John's beheading and John. Uh, and then they go right into, usually right into, the third year of Jesus' ministry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John primarily talk about the, the third year are the, yeah, the third year of Jesus' ministry. And so from birth into that until. But the book of John, John wrote the book of John later than the other gospels. It was written uh, uh, around 70 AD, which was much later than the other guy. I'm laying foundation here, folks. Hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Uh, John's gospel was written later, and John primarily teaches the first two years of Jesus' ministry. In other words, there are many things that are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are similar with, but the book of John, there are many things in the book of John that are not in any of the synoptic gospels. Matter of fact, the book of John covers the uh, first two years, mostly the first two years of Jesus' ministry. For instance, the wedding at Cana. Uh, the uh, John 3, uh, Nicodemus, John 4, the woman at the well, John 8, the woman caught in adultery, and John 9, the blind man, and John chapters 14 through 16, which is the dialogue of the Last Supper, all of those are not in the Synoptic Gospels. Those are only recorded by John. They are the last days, or the, last, the latter part of Jesus' days. But there are two things that are primarily taught in all four Gospels. Two things that you can find in all four of the Gospels. Only two. One is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. All four. Anything that pertains to the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, they all are in there. And the other thing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? That all four Gospels record those two things primarily. It's the only thing they have in common. You say, well, you got to show me where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in every Gospel. Well, I'm glad you asked because I knew you were going to. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to give, for sake of time, I'm going to give you the Scriptures. You're going to have to read them yourself. But they're pretty evident. I read to you or quoted to you Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, when John talked about there's one that is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he comes after me, who's one shoe I cannot tie. And then Mark chapter 1, verse 8, talks about um, that there's one that is coming who I baptize you in water, but there's one who is coming that will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. All right? Mark chapter 1, verse 8. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, again, uh, we have uh, Luke quoting what John quoted in, in uh, Matthew 3. And so in all three of those Gospels, there's the similar story of them speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, turn to John chapter 1, verse 33, because I want you to see this one. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 33. John 1, verse 33 says this. It says, I did not know him. Now, I actually go to verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit ascending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Now, John saw Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so he comes in verse 33, and he said, I did not know him, but he sent me to baptize, uh, to baptize with water 
He said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he, he, Jesus, who baptizes with what? The Holy Ghost, right? So in all four of the Gospels, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit being mentioned, not, the, not, the, not number one, which was the Holy Spirit's baptism into the body, but number three, Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. And so that and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is mentioned in each one. It said the Spirit of God resting upon them. I mentioned Isaiah 2, 11, 2 before. And Luke chapter 24, verse 49, speak of the promise, speak of the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon men, but it would not stay on men. Do you remember Saul? The Spirit of God would come on Saul, and when Saul sinned and was disobedient, the Bible said the Spirit of God lifted himself up off of Saul and never returned. Matter of fact, the Bible said when David, when the Spirit of God came on David, David, right, he sinned against Bathsheba, and the Spirit of God lifted up off of him. And when you read Psalms 51, which is David's repentance, his powerful prayer of repentance, he said, take not thy spirit from me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. What was David praying for? That the spirit of God would come back upon him. And so what did God do? God put his spirit back on David again and, 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 and put his spirit back on David. And so his spirit came on David again. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would lift and come and lift and come. But in the New Testament, by the example of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when it descended from heaven like a dove upon Jesus, it rested upon him. Not only did it rest upon him, but it came and it stayed upon him. Y'all see the difference? So we have a better covenant. Is that not right? The Spirit of God just doesn't come upon us. The Spirit of God comes on us and remains on us. Isn't that a good promise? That not only do we occasionally have the Holy Spirit to do the work of God, but when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an enduring power that comes and rests upon us and stays upon us. That is the promise of Acts chapter 1, verse 5. That is the promise of Luke 24, 49, that the promise is that we shall receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 2, 39 says that this promise is for you, for your children, and your children's children, and those who are what? Afar off. Who's afar off? We are afar off. It's not just for that apostolic age. That scripture, Acts 2.39, settled it for me. He doesn't come and leave, come and leave, come and leave. He comes and he stays in the believer's life. Praise God. That's good news, y'all. That's good news for us. It's kind of like the illustration. A preacher was preaching one time, and he wanted to illustrate the dove ascending upon Jesus. And so uh, he was preaching one time, and he had a, a, a light that was over top of the pulpit that had burned out, and they had taken that old light out, and he put a boy up there with a dove. And he said, now when I say the dove descended upon Jesus like a dove, I want you to release that dove into the church. And so that preacher's preaching. He said, and he said, and he said, and, and the heavens opened, and like a dove descended upon Jesus, and nothing happened. 
He said, and like a dove, it descended upon Jesus. Nothing happened. He said, like a dove, it descended upon Jesus, and nothing happened. And he heard that little boy go, Pastor, the cat ate the Holy Ghost. Do you want me to throw the cat? <laughs> Thank God the cat can't get the Holy Ghost this morning. Many of us tell that story and they really believe a dove descended on Jesus. No, it wasn't a dove, did not. I know you all seen the movie where the dove comes and lands on Jesus' shoulder. That's not how it happened. It said it descended upon Jesus like a dove. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and rested upon him. One translation says it rested upon him. And so, number one, we must understand that there are three baptisms. Number two, we want you to know that there are, where you see in Scripture, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, many times you will see the other two baptisms with it. That Scripture confirms all three baptisms. And so, we have, uh, there, are, there are three, uh, uh, you have salvation, you have baptism with water, and you have the Spirit, salvation in Christ, and uh, uh, being born again in Jesus, because we've been born again. Now, Jesus, of course, he was, the reason Jesus didn't have to be saved was because Jesus was already born right. We weren't born right. We were born with a sin nature. But Jesus, that's why we have to be born again. And so you have salvation, water, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you a couple of things in Scripture. And then Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Go with me. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. I want to, I want to give you a pattern here and show you scripturally that where you see one, you'll see all three usually. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Remember, Peter said, what did he say after preaching that wonderful message? And they cried out and said, what must we do in order to be saved? What did Peter say? This is what he said in verse 38. Peter said unto them, repent. That was the first instruction. Repent. That's salvation, right? Repent. And then he says this. He says, repent. And repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. That's water baptism. Y'all see that? There's the water. We have the salvation. We have the water. And then look what it says in the subsequent part of that verse. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see all three baptisms that are there? All three are there. Look at Acts chapter 8. I'm going to have to hurry because I may not get through all of them, but I'll give you, I'll give you the passage. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. And here we have uh, Philip has gone down, and uh, they have gone down to Samaria. Uh, they have gone down, and there's been a revival that breaks out. And the revival breaks out, and the Bible says in verse 12, it says, but when they believed... Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, right? They believed Philip. They believed. They trusted in Christ, right? They believed. When they believed Philip, 
It said, in the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, look at the second part, they believed Philip's message, then look what happened in the latter part of that verse, both men and women were baptized, that's water baptism, so Philip preached, they believed, they were water baptized, now look down in verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come, prayed for them that they might receive, what? The Holy Spirit. That they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as, as yet had not fallen upon them, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus, and they laid their hands on them, and they what? And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? There in Acts chapter 8. Go to Acts chapter 19. The scripture that I led off with tonight, or this morning. Acts chapter 19. Now the scripture I'm not taking you to is Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, if you remember that the Gentiles believed, remember, if you remember uh, 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 Cornelius and Peter, and they had the vision, and Peter went to Cornelius' house, and, and all the Gentiles received Christ, and not only did they receive Christ, but they were baptized. Not only were they baptized, but they also were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can read it in Acts 10. Actually, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and salvation of the Gentiles there really is our, us, that's our Pentecost. Because the Gentiles were now finally able to be part of the body of Christ. We now were, were part of the body and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10. Now, Acts 19, here we have, we find in verse 1, uh, he had gone down finding some disciples, the scripture says in verse 1. Verse 2, uh, Paul says, and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, for we, we have not so much as heard of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, there, uh, now... Listen, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, or a third of the New Testament. Uh, he wrote one-third of the New Testament. And uh, uh, Paul here, asking this question, did you believe, if anybody would understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it would have been Paul. And in verse 3 it says, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. In other words, if John was baptizing under repentance, and then verse 4 says, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who come after him. Right? John said, There's one that's coming after me, and that is on Christ Jesus. And they believed on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, When they heard that, they were baptized in the name of of Jesus. They were baptized in the name of Jesus in verse 5. Uh, and in verse 6, look what had happened. They believed, they were baptized, and then look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they began to prophesy. Are y'all getting that? Do you see this picture? Do you see how important 
and what role the baptism of the Holy Spirit plays in our life. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's not anything. It's not something just made up by a bunch of crazy Christians that decided they wanted to shake on the floor or roll on the floor or speak in tongues. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is power in order where there's a, a power that comes on you to live the Christian life and to fulfill the service that God has given you in your life. It's not hokey. It's not weird. It's not something that you get after you eat pizza. There's an actual baptism of the Holy Spirit that fills you with fire, that fills you with the Holy Ghost, that enables you to have an anointing. It continually fills you. Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I was talking to Brian Tingle this week. We had lunch, and I was talking with him, and he was just sharing with me. He said, Pastor, it's amazing what God has done. He said, you know, I have had situations where I have had to go and, and, and be with friends or be with my family who were doing the things I used to do. And he said, you know, it's so funny. When I got in the midst of them, I had no appetite for what they were doing. Why? Why is that? Because God changes us. Old things are passed away, and all things become new in Christ Jesus. What a testimony. What a testimony to know that you, you, you are born again. And so, and so we have to understand that the pattern of being saved, water baptized, and filled the Holy Spirit, we see that through Scripture. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. And uh, the Bible says this, and you don't have to turn there. It says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven or testify in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Now, how many know that the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Word, of course, Jesus is called the Word. Book John, verse John chapter 1, Jesus is called the Word, bear witness or testimony in heaven. That's heaven. That's supernatural. How many know that Jesus is supernatural, God's supernatural, and the Holy Spirit is supernatural? But the Bible says to us that there are also three that bear witness on the earth. And actually in verse 8 it says, there are three that bear witness on the earth. What are they? The Spirit, the water, and the blood. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in water, and the blood of Jesus is our salvation. They witness. There is a witness to. The blood is salvation. That represents the new person. The water is the picture of the old man being cut off. The old man dying. See, when you're water baptized, it's not just getting dunked just for the sake of getting dunked. There is, I believe, God does an actual work in your baptism. In your baptism, I believe, you're burying by the Spirit of God the old man. How many are thankful the old man's dead? How many are thankful the old Shane is gone? How many are thankful the old you is gone? He's been dead, buried, gone. A public display that God has done. An inward work. And you're privately or personally saying, I belong to him. But then the Spirit, 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is power, dunamis, to give us to work, to walk out this new life in Christ. It gives you the ability to live victorious in Christ Jesus. Y'all hearing me this morning? I'm telling you, there's victory in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It gives you the ability to overcome sin. It gives you the ability to live and power and anointing. It gives you discerning of spirits and wisdom. It gives you the ability to prophesy. It gives you the ability. Woo! Come on. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It gives you faith. It gives you the ability to live in power. And I'm here to tell you, we've so long preached against it that the church don't know anything about it anymore. I'm here to tell you it's time to let the resurrection of the power of the Holy Ghost to be rebirthed again in the life of the believer. Quit putting him in the back room. Quit throwing him into some secret corner. Do you think that in this hour, people have a need? They need the power of God. I mean, what's going on in our world, the only thing that's going to get them through is the power of God. I'm telling you, that is the missing link to some of the things that God wants to do in your life. The missing link is if you will allow the baptism of... And listen, you, it's not... I'm, we, we've so stereotyped it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anybody else. Let me tell you what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. It makes you a better you. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It doesn't make me any better than somebody that has not received it or not had it or have not scripturally been. It doesn't make me better. It makes me a better me. And I always want to become a better me. And anybody that uses it as a tool, as pride, I'm here to tell you, God will shut that thing off. That's not what God had given it to us for in our lives. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to close with, this, with this, these two quick examples for you. Now, we had seen the three baptisms... We had seen the scriptural testimony of the three baptisms. Now I want to show you, thirdly, I want to show you the three things that show the pattern of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 and verse 11 tells us that our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. That the, what they did, they, by example of being under the cloud and passing through the sea, was an example to us, a pattern, an example. Matter of fact, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 10 tells us Moses was there as a type of deliverer that they, they were baptized into Moses, the scripture says. They were baptized into Moses. They passed in the cloud and through the sea. In other words, how many know, you've heard me teach this, you know this, that the Old Testament is types and shadows of a New Testament reality. Is that not right? 
that what the promise of what you saw in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the reality that God has given us in the covenant of the New Testament. So here in Moses, and, and, and talking about Moses here in Corinthians, it's talking about Moses and the children of Israel being an example, and by passing through the cloud, passing through the sea, being baptized into Moses, they were baptized into Moses, they passed through the cloud, and they passed through the sea. Well, being baptized into Moses, Moses was a type of Christ. He wasn't Christ, but he was a type of Christ. Our salvation is in Christ. That is our baptism into the body. It said, and they pass in the cloud, which is the leading and guiding of the cloud that led and guide them, which is the spirit of God. They were baptized into the cloud, into the spirit of God. And not only that, they passed through the sea, they passed through the water. In other words, it is a picture of salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of water. Here we have it in 1 Corinthians. We have that Old Testament picture. Now, how many of you remember the, uh, the Old Testament talking about the tabernacle of David? It was a traveling tent they would set up. Now, listen to the pattern of God. The, 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 the tabernacle of David was set up. There was the outer court. Y'all know this. Some of y'all know this. If you've been in church long enough, you've seen this. There's the outer court. There's the holy place. And then there's the most holy place right? What was the desire of the people? The desire of the people was to get to the presence of God in the holy place, right? But in order to get there, they had to do, they had to do it by pattern or they had to do it by order, right? So they would enter into the door. There was one door on the tabernacle. How many know there's one door? Men can be saved. One door, men can know Christ. No, you can't get saved outside of Jesus Christ. I hate to tell you, if Johnny did not know Jesus, Johnny's not in heaven. Okay. I like a lead blue. I'm telling you, you know, there's some words that we have lost in the church. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We've lost sanctification. We've lost talking about a separated life, a sealed life under sanctification. We've lost the word, uh, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit. We've even lost the word hell and eternal damnation without Christ. We've stopped preaching it. We've stopped preaching that people die without Jesus. They don't go to heaven. All dogs don't go to heaven. Without Christ, you have no eternal life with him. He is the door. He's the only way in. He's the only way you get to heaven. I don't care what Oprah says and Deepak says, you can't get to Jesus. You can't get to God but through Christ Jesus. There's one mediator between man and God, and that is the man Christ Jesus, the scripture tells us. I didn't mean to overkill that. I just thought you'd ought to know. To get to the holy place and the holy of holies, you would enter and you enter into the, in, into the inner court. When you entered into the inner court, of the tabernacle, there were three things that were in the inner court that allowed you to go in to the holy place. Y'all getting this? There were three things that were there. There was the altar where the shed blood of the lamb would be slain and the blood would be slain. That blood would be slain and then there was what was called the bronze laver, which was a 
huge laver. What was it full of? It was full of water. Holy water is for cleansing. After there was the sacrifice of the blood, they went to the water, and the water brought cleansing. Why? Because they had blood on them. They, were, they would ceremonially clean themselves and clean and cleanse themselves. Right? And then the next step, most of us don't know this, but the next step was that they had to be anointed with oil. In other words, when they would enter, the priests would enter into the holy place, they would anoint themselves with oil, they would put that oil on them, and not only would they put that oil on them, they would put that oil on the doorpost of the holy place. So what do you have? You have salvation, you have baptism of water, and you have the oil, which sometimes is representative of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. How do you enter into the holy place? You have three baptisms. You have three experiences that bring you into the presence of God. Are you all with me? Please hang with me. And I'm closing with it. Adam, if you guys would come. And so you would enter in. Can I say we don't get into God's presence under our own rules? We don't get into God's presence under our own rules. Now we're going to give you an invitation this morning. And those who would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for you. And you say, and my, I came in this morning, and uh, Montana was coming in with the kids, and I, I, I had the scripture on my heart, and I said, I looked at her, and I said, hey, Montana, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And she said, yeah. She said, but these kids haven't. <laughs> and they're like, Wah! she says, I got the Holy Ghost, but lay hands on these kids. <laughs> How many moms have felt that way? <laughs> Lord Jesus, Holy Ghost hit these kids because I can't handle them. <laughs> Some of them children's church teachers right now. You know you're in trouble in children's church if your teacher has to look at you and say, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, sit down, behave. But when the teacher's got, in Jesus' name, I command you. <laughs> I command you by the blood of Jesus. Straighten up right now. Praise God. Robert Morris wrote a book. It was called Healthy Church. I read it a few years ago. And in the book, he talks about D.L. Moody. And how many of you know who D.L. Moody was? He was the president of Moody Bible Institute. Great pastor. Actually, he was a Baptist pastor. And uh, D.L. Moody had two ladies in his church. And occasionally, those two ladies would come up to D.L. Moody, and they'd say, Brother Moody, we're praying for you that you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And D.L. Moody said, well, I have the Holy Spirit. And they say, no, we want you to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll just pray for you. And so those ladies continued to pray for D.L. Moody. 
and they would often say it. So D.L. Moody one day decided he was going to take some time and search the scripture on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what he found out was is that the scripture teaches that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, Lord, I believe the scripture teaches this and I want this. If this is what you want for me, I want this. D.L. Moody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his basement, seeking the Lord one night and filled him with the Holy Spirit. And his testimony was, he said, he said it like this. He said, it felt like hot oil pouring over my whole body. He said, I felt up out of me from the bottom of my feet up out through me a warmth and an overflowing that I'd never felt before. After that, D.L. Moody, I mean, his ministry was already powerful. But there was an anointing that came on his ministry. We all know how powerful D.L. Moody was. There were testimonies that he could walk in factories. The presence of God would be so strong. Men would get saved and come to Christ through the anointing that was on his life. Now, that's his anointing. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. He didn't flaunt it with arrogance. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for us to flaunt. It's not for us to wear as a badge. It's, not, it's to empower you to live a life that's God's best life for you. And maybe there's some of you this morning who need to be prayed for. We want to pray for you. Now, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be, it's, it's not anything like that. I don't want you to be, you know, insecure about it. But we just want to recognize, we want to pray for you. We want you to, the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want him to come and empower you in your life fill you. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to be, you want a refilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the refilling of the Holy Spirit. Acts talks about the times of refreshing. Acts talks about, you know, the filling. Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit and we can be continually filled. There are times we need to continually be filled with the Spirit. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's in the reference in which Jesus was saying. So stand with me if you would this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.